1: Welcome to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hanson, and tonight's show, we are interviewing a woman who lived plural marriage as a member of, of the Apostolic United Brethren polygamy group. But before we talk about what isn't God's will for marriage, you can find out what God's will for marriage is at a special Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaway, which is taking place this weekend at the Park City Marriott Hotel. It uh, begins tomorrow night, and it goes uh, through the 4th. That will be November 2nd through the 4th. And this is for married couples or soon-to-be married couples. And there may still be time for you to register, even though it starts tomorrow. Um, you can go online to www.familylife.com slash weekend. And if you use the group name God's Plan, you may be able to go for half price. You can call Ross or Teresa Callahan for more information, and their number is 801-253-2952. And this getaway will help you and your spouse discover God's plan for your marriage, and you can refresh your marriage God's way. You know, we named our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This?, For the specific reason that we always want our viewers, especially plural wives, to know that God's love is so great, it's so high and so long and so wide and so deep, it would be impossible for him to demand and command the painful life of polygamy that polygamists claim he expects of them. What kind of a love forces a woman to share her husband with other women? What kind of love is this? It isn't God's love, that's for certain. In fact, it really is no love at all. Tonight, our guest is Kristen Decker, and she has written a book about her life in polygamy. She was born and raised in a polygamy group, and she lived a polygamous marriage. And the book is entitled "50 Years in Polygamy: Big Secrets and Little White Lies." And she has a wonderful story to tell. We're going to talk about that tonight. So I would like to introduce and welcome our guest, Kristen Decker. Thank you, Kristen, for coming. Thank
2: you, Doris. Good to you, be here.
1: It's good to have you here. We've planned on this for quite a while, and
2: a long time.
1: <laughs> <We're> <laughs> and it's good you finally came. You know, your book has such great insights into the polygamous lifestyle and into the beliefs and the doctrines and the practices and the pain of polygamy and that polygamists suffer through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so where would you tell our viewers they could get your book?
2: It's available at Balboa Publishing or Balboa Press at Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com or any pretty much any bookstore, I think, will order it if it, if they don't already have it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So, so they can
1: go to Amazon. I think that's where I got my copy is uh-huh. Amazon.
2: Amazon.com .com has it available. You can, if you have Kindles, you can do that as well. Oh, it's and on so, Kindles. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. And
1: so so it, it's 50 Years in Polygamy, um, Big Secrets and Little White Lies. We're going to talk about some of those big secrets and little white lies tonight right. as, as we go through your book. And that's just kind of what we want to do. Wasn't there a website um, that you wanted to tell our viewers that they could Thank go to? Thank you
2: for reminding me about that. It's 50yearsinpolygamy.com, really easy, or dot. Org. Uh-huh. Either way, either so it's one. easy to remember. Okay, great. the name of the book altogether.org or com,
1: and so they can go there uh-huh. and find out a little bit about you and right about the some book of the
2: things you. I've posted yeah. over uh-huh. the yeah
1: good that'd yeah, be interesting. You know, I like to read sometimes uh, what, what people think of, of a book before I'll read a book, and so I looked at some of the reviews of your book before I read it. And I think probably uh, very interesting uh, and mostly positive responses to your book. But one of them was written by a woman who had not read your book yet, and I thought <laughs> I would quote what she said. Uh, she was a potential reader, looking forward to reading your book, and she said, I'd sure like to hear a real story after the fractured fairy tale that Sister Wives tries to put out there. So she was looking forward to getting, you know, to the grit of what really is happening in polygamy groups. And indeed, your story definitely is far removed from the fantasy kind of life of plural marriage that the Sister Wives portray. And you're from the same group. You're both from the all Red polygamy group.
2: Yes, we are.
1: Do you know them? So, are you, are you actually them?
2: Christine, who's Cody's third wife, is my second cousin and my niece through exactly. marriage. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I know all of them uh-huh. and knew their families and know them very their families pretty well
1: mm-hmm. over these
2: years. And you know
1: some families you know, so. in polygamy groups can be as different as night and day. Yes. That's the way for it was sure. in, in the Kingston group because mm-hmm. some families are just so different than other Very ones. much. Yes. Well, um, I already identified with the polygamy group that you came from. So, geographically, where were you raised?
2: I was raised in Murray, where the Fashion Place Mall is, and we used to call it Plagueville, and all those around us called it Vale. There were, (laughs) when I was really little, it was a dead end street and ended. And then it grew over the years as the properties spread out and more homes were built. More polygamous families moved in, yeah, and so
1: huh? Yes.
2: So they should have named
1: the mall Polygamy Mall. <laughs> <laughs> so give well, some
2: attention this, there. Yeah, was
1: right? the same property. Anyway, so who was your prophet, and what relationship did the prophet have with your family? When I was born, Joseph
2: Musser apparently, I think, was still alive. Yes, he was. And then when he died, my uncle Roland took his place. And then my when he died, when he was shot by the LeBaron, then Ervil LeBaron had two of his wives assigned to kill my uncle, mm-hmm. Rulin, mm-hmm. murder him in his office. And then my father became the leader after that. Your and father was, became the leader? He was the leader for 25 years before he so died.
1: So mm-hmm. Allred was the leader when you were born. Right, and, when I was young. And, mm-hmm. and he, or when you were younger. and right. And your father is... And all. He,
2: right, Owen Allred. Right? He passed away in 2005, but he was the leader for 25 years uh-huh. until then.
1: So. so you were the daughter of the leader, right? And, and that kind of mm-hmm. put a stigma on you, didn't it? It was like you better behave Yeah, else. You better yeah. <laughs> yeah, I be a good that. example. Yeah. Were your parents born in the polygamy group, or did they join it?
2: My father, I come from seven generations of plural marriage on my father's side. In fact, my sixth grandfather, great grandfather, baptized my seventh grandfather in Illinois
1: in the Mormon
2: church, in the LDS church. And so they, each of them lived plural marriage for all these years. And so it was definitely, yes, seven generations of belief system in plural marriage. And my mother was a convert in a sense. Well, she was part of the LDS Church. It is true that my father and her father converted her to believe in plural marriage after the manifesto. Uh huh. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, a lot of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of that. In fact, that's our heritage. Right. Definitely our heritage. Where in the sequence of your father's. Family, wives, and children. Do you fit in? I mean, were you you're the were the first wife, or the first child, or the twelfth mm. child? Or
2: my mother was his first wife. She had eight children, and I'm her baby. But I'm my father's twelfth child. So out of his twenty-three biological children. And then he helped raise another 23 with the women that he married after that that came with mm-hmm. children that mm-hmm. married him. I see.
1: So, mm-hmm. total siblings?
2: About 46 as 46 we were growing up, and family. as my younger siblings were growing up, we had quite a few around. Oh, so, wow.
1: That's yeah. a big fat. For polygamy, that's pretty normal. Actually, though, isn't in a way, it?
2: it's small for some.
1: <laughs> and my <laughs> dad many. only had two wives and 16 kids. Wow. So, how good or not so good were the relationships, um, let's say, between, uh, that, that you are aware of between your father and all his wives and between the sister wives and between the children in the mix of all this? How are the relationships? That could
2: be a long story right well, there in it itself. Maybe you could but... say it in a word or two. <laughs> <laughs> I I believe my mother with all her heart believed in plural marriage or she wouldn't have done lived that way. Mm-hmm. And so she did her best to live it without the jealous feelings and without the heartache, but she there was a lot. I saw a lot and witnessed a lot. And the second wife was pretty Controlling and wanted her way and demanded her way, and saw that her children got their needs met and what they wanted and needed, which mothers should do. Mm -hmm. My mother was more passive, about maybe passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to deal with her heartache and pain. And when she would try to do that, it didn't work for her. She didn't know how to talk about it, Mm -hmm. how to get her needs met, how to make sure that that happened. And so she just became the sweet martyr, you know, do whatever Mm -hmm. Owen wants be his favorite wife in the way that she'll give in to the other wives. And if they ever needed, this was my opinion and some of my other siblings, is that if they ever needed anything, she was the one who went without. Um, she got a home later in her life, and another woman wife wanted that place, upstairs wanted that one, so she had to move down. And then mm, she got to move here, and then they wanted that place. And Mom was always the sweet martyr <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and tried to be. But... She was, I would say she died pretty miserably happy. If yeah, She, you, she was happy, happy doing what she thought God wanted her to do. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how but, were you, How did you deal with all your siblings? How did they deal with you? Aru? We was loved each family? other.
2: I our, I believe our, the kids loved each other. We played well together for the most part, and we did our best to be brothers and sisters, even though we were called cousins, you know, yeah, right. to keep the secrets and mm-hmm. so forth. But... I believe, I really enjoyed my siblings, and I think that that's one thing that you do is you draw together. Even though you get lost in the crowd, you still draw together or whatever they can help you mm-hmm. with or be friendly with. And besides that, we didn't have friends outside of the community either. Right. So right. that Absolutely. was another thing to stay close. Mm-hmm. I'm,
1: I'm going to, uh, and as we go through your book, I'm basically what I did was when I read your book, I just made notes of what I thought would be good talking points. Mm-hmm. And and the next talking point I want to bring up is, is probably um, a real heartbreak for you. But you put it in your book, so I wanted to bring it up. Uh, you were sexually assaulted by a doctor and also by a stepbrother and by others while you were very young. Um, what did that do to you emotionally and especially with trust issues?
2: I had major trust issues, mostly with God. And the reason was is because my mother had always told me that if I was a good girl that bad things wouldn't happen to me. And I I couldn't understand that. It was like, I must be a bad person Mm -hmm. or God wouldn't allow this to happen because my mother told me that, that God wouldn't allow anything bad to happen to me. And so I had trust issues with God as well as myself. It was like, what kind of person am I if this is happening and I can't tell anybody Mm -hmm. and I don't dare say I must be really bad. And I felt guilty. And of course, the perpetrators would yeah, allow that uh-huh. to happen, like you're well, part of it, and you and better not tell. And they would make tell. you feel Absolutely. that way even
1: more so. Yes. Even more. And, mm-hmm. you, and, and the first time, you were not even in kindergarten yet. Right. Yeah, I was just
2: very little. Yeah.
1: How did the sexual abuse affect your relationships, especially with your husband later on in life?
2: There were issues and problems that I had no idea that even connected until I was able to get some help and talk with, actually it wasn't professional help, it was just talking with family or a sister that I realized that those connections and with my husband, that the uh, issues that we had with our relationship had to do with being molested when I was little. Mm -hmm. Once I worked with that and realized that this was okay and that was okay and this is normal and that's normal and Mm -hmm. this is not and what's all right, then I learned to get through that but it was it was a major problem at the and, I, and I
1: think it was great that you wrote yeah. all this up in your book too because mm-hmm. this is not a, a, an out of normal event especially in polygamy right. c- communities so right. it's good that you put that in your book so others could read
2: and what? I felt it was important to be explicit about it there was a comment a couple of them that people had a hard time with that to be that detailed and explicit about the being molested. But the po- reason I did that is because I feel like people need to realize the impact mm-hmm. that it has on mm-hmm. so many. And I, he- I heard most of my life, oh, well, I was molested. Oh, she was too. Yeah, I was too. And so was so and so. And it was like, oh, it's a big deal. No big deal. That happens.
0: Mm-hmm. you
2: know. And so to me, and, it was very important. That's the
1: tragedy of it, isn't it? Is. It is. It just yeah. happens so much that mm-hmm. it's just...
2: It's important for people to realize that this isn't okay and that yeah. there is repercussions and things yeah. that happen.
1: It's it yeah, isn't it's okay. damaging. It isn't okay, mm-hmm. period. Very now you went to public school and uh in, in your book you mentioned when some of the students found out that you were polygamous and they called you pygamases. They, probably because they couldn't understand what polygamy was and even how to pronounce it.
2: That was in kindergarten. I was sharing a story about a little person who was playing with me, and she said, uh, "How many?" I asked her, "How many moms do you have?" And she said, "Well, I have one." And I said, "Well, I have three. You know? And she's like, "Well, how come you get to have three and I have one?" So she asked her mom about it, and of course, her mom's saying, "You can't play with her anymore. She's a polygamist." And. And so the g- little person in kindergarten here is pygamous. Yeah. So she comes and tells me, "No, I can't play with you. You're a Pygamous, And I said, "I'm not a Pygamous, And, and your dad's a Pygmalion." And I said, "He's not messy. He keeps his room really clean." So I didn't even get <laughs> it. Even I understand. was so young. And I even did I your didn't friend. get it. I'm sure she she didn't had no get it idea what it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, that so. was
1: kind of a cute story. And you talked about drills that, that your father would put the family through in in their family home evening night. Mm-hmm. Uh, polygamous also had family home evening night know. Right. so did we. Anyway, he put you through those drills to protect your polygamous lifestyle. Would you, could you, do you believe you could call these drills uh, lessons in learning to lie? Oh, absolutely. And did they absolutely. induce a group think mentality, do you think? And did they affect your emotional security?
2: Well, it was okay to lie as long as it was to protect our family and to protect God's will. And polygamy was God's will and therefore that was justified. And yeah, and we did get the lessons that lying wasn't okay in other issues, but the problem became in trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what lies were okay and which ones weren't. And it was so, it got to be so good. We got to be so good at who's that mom over there and what's that going on over there that pretty Mm -hmm. soon you'd get the lies mixed (laughs) up and I'd go, I told one. That I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> and then weighing that out between God's laws and his rules. Okay, which lies are really okay and which yeah, ones aren't? Yeah,
1: it's kind of yes, confusing it for it a child, was, isn't it? It double is double standard.
2: It was. It felt that, it hurt. It, it really wrong. did.
1: It was wrong it to felt. lie. God says don't lie, and then God tells you to lie to protect.
2: Well, the difficult part was remembering which lies you know, He told <laughs> who. He was like, okay, yeah. did I tell him that the third wife was Aunt So-and-so, or the other aunt, or who you know that sort of thing it was yeah. confusing to yeah. even me as a child and it yeah. was
1: to me too we did the same yeah. thing we yes. had drills of how we would answer certain people if they asked certain questions mm-hmm. and so from from childhood we were taught <coughs> that we had to keep a a silent tongue regarding our family life. So we couldn't tell. I mean, this is in itself is abnormal. You can't go to school and tell anybody about your family life. They could tell us about theirs, but we could never speak about ours. So it's it's, it's a sad thing for kids. Uh, When you were 10 years old, you were assaulted again. And this time, it was by the husband of a friend of your mother. And you said in your book he that he was that, actually a cousin. He was a cousin, uh-huh, and, and he by it, marriage. It, it mm-hmm. further traumatized you. You said that this event actually is the one that began turning you into a rebellious child. What? Uh, why did this event do that?
2: I think I was old enough to finally realize that I could say no, or that I was going to say no, no matter who wanted me to say no. And my mom wanted me to still continue to babysit. And my mom wanted me to continue to be this sweet girl and go and tend these kids that where the father was molesting, well, I believed after that effect, molesting his own children, I don't know that, but he was with me and it it was a big concern. And I said, I'm not going anymore. And that's what I mean by the rebellion. It was like, I put my foot down. I said, no, I will not go. And and even then I couldn't tell my mother why. It was one of those fear-based things that you Mm -hmm. respect the elders, he'll be believed before I will, they won't believe me, I'll be in trouble. And so, so were I couldn't you tell ever her why. able
1: to tell anyone? It took you years before you could tell anyone I was about an the abuse mm-hmm. that these men had perpetrated on you while you were growing up.
2: I had most of my children before I ever told anybody that as far other than my husband about it, or maybe close sisters when we realized that this was going on all around us in many yeah. situations. Yeah. And yes, I it, I was an adult before I confronted, well, or talked to my father and that my cousin, so about and, that. And you know, home mm-hmm. is
1: where we're supposed to feel secure, be secure, be safe,
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: that's the very place where in many polygamy groups home is not your your place of security.
2: I think that the biggest problem, I've thought about that family. a lot, is the families are so large. The mothers are gone. And even even if there's a mother home watching the children, she has sometimes a dozen children to keep track mm-hmm. of. How does she know where they're all at all the time, every minute, and give them one-on-one attention that they need?
0: She I really can't. think
2: small families, you know, yeah. definitely advocate for that. Yes, so. for sure.
1: In mm-hmm. Chapter 7, you wrote, I fantasized about a normal life, a dad, one mom, and one family, and wished God could uh, never hear me think wicked things like that. That touched me very much when I read that, because that's kind of the way I had my little fantasy dreams as well. How old were you when, when you uh, were writing about this, and how really wicked was that dream? Oh, that
2: was bad. We're supposed to be God's elite. His little handful of people are going to be saved. And all around me, I thought everyone was as proud to be a polygamist, and I wasn't. And it, I always felt like something was wrong with me. As an adult, I thought, how many others have felt the same way and I'm didn't sure. dare say that?
1: In fact, I think in yes. a nutshell, that statement yeah. that you wrote there, in a nutshell, explains some of the emotionally mixed up messes it? that we're in when we walk away from the polygamy mm-hmm. group. We just wanted to be normal.
2: Right. We just
1: wanted to have a father, someone I could call Daddy. Someone who you was know?
2: there every yeah. day and a mom who could be there and not have her heartaches because yeah. Dad was somewhere with the other women or
0: mm-hmm. off
2: or in an argument and left her crying. And yeah. Someone else yeah. needs me more than you do. Yeah.
1: At 17 and a half years old, you married your sweetheart and you were his first wife. Now that right. was a blessing. And like all young marriages, you thought that you would live happily ever after. Did you fear the day when he was going to take the second wife? (laughs) Definitely. How long before he did?
2: It was eight years before he married, and we were going to hell because we weren't on it. You know, all around us, my brothers and sisters and our age group had been enlarging their families and having other wives, and my siblings had already been in plural families, and I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. And I would push and encourage him to get other wives and he's encouraging me to be supportive of his flirting with other women so we can get other wives and you know we're trying to do that and not really really outwardly. I'm not so obvious that you got to do it subtly but at the same time my heart was breaking I knew that we were supposed to do this we have to do this to get Mm -hmm. to heaven Mm -hmm. but my heart would break it would just I'd cry and I think how could he flirt with her well he has to you're the bad person you're the evil person for having those feelings and yeah my feelings were not okay and because that man, and I wasn't being a good righteous. And the fact righteous. that your
1: husband—I mean, mm-hmm. think, to think of this is so so messed up—that your husband can legally, with an open door, go out and flirt with single women, single girls, mm-hmm. flirt with them, and dance with them, and take them on dates, and then eventually marry them. I mean, that's a heartbreak yeah. for
2: a lot, lot of woman. the AUB. We didn't really date much as far as single women until they were committed, like in uh, say a. Uh, engagement or something like that but mm-hmm. just that they'd come over that we would go to their houses or that we'd be at church or wherever that flirting was taking place yeah. or at the dances yes yeah. Yeah. that was an opportunity to dance with young girls i have a picture of one of my cousins and him and they just both look like they're in heaven she at the time i believe she was crazy about him and vice versa and i looked at that picture very recently and i thought oh my gosh i remember when my heart i loved her Mm -hmm. and i loved him and i thought oh that's good got to be good because this is meant to be the religion says so but my heart was breaking it was just sad yes Yes.
1: and it does ask well Mm -hmm. this next statement i want to put this up on the screen it's on page 61 Uh, That you wrote, and I quote According to my upbringing, God commanded women to accept their husband's desire to live the law of plural marriage. We were to be happy, supportive, sweet, and encouraging when it came to our husbands courting and marrying other wives. Still, even the idea of my husband being with another woman, let alone the reality of such a thing, created a throbbing, breath stealing ache I could hardly endure. No religious doctrine could take that away. It was unfathomable that God would require that kind of a sacrifice of women, end quote. And this just touches the heartache that you went through, and many women do, of course, in polygamy. You tried to be a good and obedient plural wife and sister wife, despite the odds and the inequities. Would you explain, if you can, some of that and some of your questioning how it could be right, how a God actually could demand this kind of thing.
2: I always questioned that, and I asked my father that a lot. I said, why is this okay? Why would he do this to hurt women? Well, there was always a reason, Doris, there was a a million reasons and we even sat around and made up reasons that weren't already there so we could endure the hurt or the jealousy or the pain Mm -hmm. and all the reasons that we could possibly come up with why plural marriage was good, which is what I hear people do and sister Wise on TLC do that. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons and they come up with even more. But the heartache now it doesn't stop. You the only way I got through it was to become a numb workaholic woman. I just do I would go crazy cleaning. I could get things done really (laughs) good if I was heartbroken or jealous or mad. I mean it was just Things really got done well, and that looked good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I'm sweet. I'm keeping sweet. The house is even clean, <laughs> and all the kids are, t- you know, bathed. And you know, so I never just could. Do. I, yeah. I
1: And I, I got out before I was married, so I didn't live the polygamy life. I saw others live it. Um, my mother, of course, I knew she had a miserable life, but I never could come to the terms of to term with the idea that polygamy was right and that it was holy. They said it was a holy thing. I never saw any of that. I never saw I didn't any either. of the holiness that polygamy mm-hmm. was supposed to be.
2: I didn't either. Just and yet there. I bought into it and I was such a people-pleasing person that I really bought into that and what I was told to do. Yeah. And yeah. I always questioned, but I still kept doing it. H- yeah. Hanging on by faith, yeah. that was one yeah. of the things. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah,
1: that, that blind faith. Uh, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people from different polygamy groups and several, several people from your group, the Allred group, and one woman in particular became extremely incensed with me because I remarked that all polygamy groups are abusive. She denied that there was any abuse going on in the Allred group and she just said a plane didn't happen and yet you've written about it in your book a lot of abuse not only to yourself but to others and i've talked with many people where abuse took place did the aub threaten or brainwash people not to recognize abusive behavior or could she have been self-deceived that she would so deny this
2: I think that a lot of people don't know what abuse is, for one thing. I personally believe that polygamy in itself is abusive. So right off the bat when she'd say polygamy, you know, this doesn't happen. I don't think that the AUB in general, I wouldn't condone abuse. Someone else wouldn't condone abuse. But if you don't know what it is and you're not taught how to protect yourself and what's okay and what's not okay and to what limit the man of the house or the priesthood leader has authority to... Demand his rights, or I heard of rapes. I many girls shouldn't say many. That's not true. Several girls told me that they felt raped by Mm -hmm. their husbands Mm -hmm. when he wanted what he wanted. I think it's mostly not knowing what's going on and what is abuse and what's not. It's a lack of and what what is it? Yes, yes, that's a lot of it. So, Mm
1: -hmm. when your husband decided to take another wife, you'd been married eight years. How many children did you have? And did you suffer guilt when you suffered your jealousy?
2: Oh my word, yes, definitely. I had three children by then, and my son was very close to her daughter's age. She came in with one little girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely was heartbroken. And of course, I beat myself up for that. It was my fault. If I was a better woman, if I was a better wife, if, if I was a better mother, if I was more faithful and more righteous, I wouldn't have these bad feelings, and I better get over it. In fact, recently, this is this is descriptive of what Christine went through when Cody, TLC, Took his third, fourth wife on their honeymoon, Robin, Mm -hmm. and she said, "I better. I need to just get over my petty jealousy." And I wanted to find her and hug her and say, "You poor girl. Mm -hmm. You know he's off with some other woman, and you're calling it petty jealousy. It is
1: petty jealousy. It is
2: not okay at all. And we, but we believed we were supposed to deal with that, and that we were the bad people, just like she said, in order to that we have any normal feelings that God gave us." God-given God. feelings to say something's wrong right. here. This right. isn't okay. Exactly.
1: That's exactly yeah. right. God yeah. get, did give us those feelings of jealousy. Mm-hmm. It is wrong to share our spouse. Right. And it never came yeah. from Him. And those mm-hmm. jealousies are self-protective. And, Absolutely. and protective of your, yeah. of your marriage, too. You entitled chapter 21, Poverty and dumpster diving. And I thought that was interesting because <laughs> yeah. I thought only the Kingston group did dumpster diving. So I was quite surprised oh, when I learned no. uh, there's read your many, story many, many people in the Allred group so, who dumpster dived. So what was <laughs> your, did. You, your father? Was the, the prophet. Which, how was your domestic economics and how did they deal with tithing in your group? Did well, they? you
2: were supposed to pay tithing. I don't know that we ever did because we never had any money to pay the tithing. But then that in itself was. Uh, what do you want dichotomy because if we paid our tithing then we would have been better off but then we never never had this so that was always a trial but it was kind of feast and famine my husband was in construction and it was it was like feast and famine and there would be lots and lots of times without jobs or long periods of time without any money or wondering where the money's coming from to pay any bills or to get food and mm-hmm. that and so we did we mm-hmm. I would throw my little kids over, help them get in the dumpster. Whoa, what's that there? Some of our finds are really cool.
1: <laughs> uh, most of them were just disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure of that. Um, we, um, uh, on page 112, I want to put this up on the screen as well, and uh, you wrote in your book, and, and this is a heartbreaker as well, you said, uh, quote, just hold on to the iron rod, the straight and the narrow path to God. It's better to stick with your testimony and be wrong than to leave and find out you were wrong. Why? I wondered why a loving God wouldn't want and expect us to find the truth or know if our testimony was wrong, even if we made mistakes on the road to discovery. My problem was that I had a strong testimony of plural marriage. I certainly would not have committed myself to such insanity if I hadn't. But did I believe because a loving and gracious God granted me witnesses to that fact? If not, did my testimony derive from the God of ever-present threats, eternal damnation, and hell with no family ties. Was that God of my upbringing the culprit of my religious certainty? Was my confirmation of the rightness of polygamy based on a fear of the punishments I'd heard a billion times since my birth? I didn't know. After all was said and done, it was just plain easier to stay in my blinded bliss where the doctrines I was raised to believe in could stay safe and snug in my head. If I didn't have the answers, I could simply fly by the seat of my pants (laughs) on faith. And you you basically, you know, talked about that a little bit already. These exact words and conclusions, I am sure, are shared by thousands of women who have left and have escaped polygamy. But when you questioned the validity of polygamy, how tempted were you to study for yourself and find out truly if God did, or did you just, did did you come to that point?
2: I think that, by then i was pretty addicted to where i was at too. you know how you can become addicted to abusive situations and you don't even know it. you don't know it's an addiction. you don't know it's or abusive. Of- you don't i'm just going to stay. i have all these kids. how could i leave? what would i do differently? i have no clue. it's just easier. like yeah. i said to stay yeah. here even though it stay in the misery because i knew nothing else. And I right. was even studying. I was afraid to find out almost because yes. then I might have to do something differently. It's weird because you'd think that being that way, you'd want to jump out, you'd do anything. Mm-hmm. And there were times that I felt that strength that I could, but I had, at that time I had no self esteem enough to do it to make it happen. And, and, and it's that, it's was fear, it that was a bottom line. It was fear based. And I didn't love myself or even have a clue who I was to do anything about it differently.
1: And you know, often on this show, I'll mention the fact that the Bible says that God is love and perfect love drives out fear. Mm-hmm. And God, so this proves it's not from God because the fear that, that that they face to look into the truth isn't from God. It can't be mm-hmm. because God is love. He's not fear. Perfect Absolutely. Fear. Well, is love. we need to break here and, and invite our viewers to call in and ask your questions. Uh, so we have been talking with Kristen Dechter on, uh, regarding her book, 50 Years in Polygamy, and, um, uh, big Secrets and Little White Lies. And so we're opening our phone lines now. If you want to call in, eight zero one nine seven three tv 20 8820 Give us a call and ask Christian some questions. Please stay on topic. And uh, we're we are taking our break right now while we wait for the phone calls to come in.
3: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This?, broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll free at 877 425 9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at about dot com we want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge you will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv there you will find the dvd lifting the veil of polygamy which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hanson.
1: Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? We've been interviewing Kristen Decker. She's the author of the book, Uh, 50 Years in Polygamy, Big Secrets and Little White Lies. We've been talking about her story uh, being born and raised in the All Red or the AUB polygamy group and her life uh, being born in a polygamy family, being the daughter of the prophet and also being married in a polygamous marriage. Um, and we have opened up the telephone lines if you want to call in and talk with Kristen about anything or just make a comment or ask her a question, you're welcome to do so. The number is 801 8820 uh, you can begin calling in now. In fact we have a call waiting for us right now, so let's take that on line one is Becky calling. Hello Becky. Yeah. Yes, Becky, you're on I'm the air I'm here. Yeah, you're on the air.
3: Hi, Doris, how are you? Thank you so much for all you're doing. And Christine, I don't know if you remember me, I remember you. I'm I'm also from the A U V group. I was just listening to how you talked about dumpster diving. <laughs> and for me, um i have such good memories of dumpster diving going behind the store and <laughs> uh, shopping for our food <laughs> out of the little carts in the back instead of going in the store like normal people anyway i just it, i just wanted to say hi and um i'm so glad that you found your way out it's amazing thank,
2: thank you becky i wish i knew which becky i can think of two or three so i'm so glad you called thank you
1: so Becky. Hello? Are, Becky, are you out of the, of the group?
3: Yes, yes. I, I left the polygamous group and then I joined the uh, Mormon church and I'm out of the Mormon church. And I'm a biblical Christian.
1: Oh, well, wonderful. Well, maybe we need to talk. Would you like to leave your phone number? I'd love to talk we, to you. We have
3: talked, Doris. I was on your show on September 6th. Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
2: I'll find out. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Thanks, Becky. Uh-huh. Well, thanks Thank for you.
3: calling. Thank you, both. Yeah. This has been great watching you tonight. Have a great evening.
1: It, it's good to hear from you, Becky. I didn't have Thank your last you. name here, so I wasn't didn't know who you were. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, she, was, uh, she, she had a wonderful story. Oh, she, she's got good. a good story. I need
2: to find out who's, which Becky, because yeah. I can see think of several. Uh, I,
1: White. Oh my word. Yes.
2: She is darling. She is.
1: She's a sweetheart. Loved having her on the show. Maybe we ought to get you both together. Yeah. That would be awesome. There's a team here. Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, We have line three. John Murray. Hello John. Yes. Yes you're on the air. And you need to turn your TV volume down. Yes. Yes. You're on the air. What's your question?
0: Yes. I have a quick question for you. I'm from Montana, uh, the AUB group has a has a group located up there in Pinesdale,
1: uh-huh.
0: and um, I am LDS, mainstream LDS. One of the things that interested me most as I grew up around, and the people from Pinesdale was the unique sister-wives mentality, uh, and I'm interested to find out what your thoughts are regarding relationships with maybe some of your sister-wives. Did you ever feel closer to them than you may have to your husband, uh, some of the things that you all had to experience and go through.
2: I felt closer to my sister-wife when he was gone. And there was a long period of time when he was in California and she and I got really close. And I think that a lot of that depends, because we're required to get to know our sister-wives and to hang in there and be friends and get along, so I think that it made it easier for both of us when he was gone. I mean, we weren't concerned about where his attention and his affections yeah, yeah. were when, when he was around. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I had good experiences as well as negative. But my sister wife and I, I believe, were pretty good friends. Not hangout friends, but we got along because we needed to. We worked it out. Even though there was lots of jealousy <laughs> on yeah. both parts.
1: Yeah. yeah, but when you weren't fighting for the resources of your husband and his attention, then it was easier to establish a friendship relationship. Yes, with
2: him. yes, definitely. Yeah. And we depended on each other again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the siblings thing. Yeah, You know, I'm fixing the car, you're running here, we're going to grab this stuff. And yeah, yes, there was more. That yes, so, that
1: answer your question, John?
0: It does. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for calling. Okay, um, we, our phone lines are open if you want to call in, eight zero one nine seven three tv 20 Give us a call, and and uh, perhaps you'd like to be involved in this conversation. I want to quote another uh, quote from your book on page 134. Um, there was some physical and verbal abuse uh, taking place between your husband and the children, and it bothered you, and you tremendously, and of course... Being the weak, passive women mm-hmm. that polygamists like to make us into be, you didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And there came a point of time where you knew you had to do something. And you said, and I think this will go up on the screen too, it said, You said, It was that day that I knew I would no longer make excuses or reasons for Marx or anyone else's unkind or abusive behaviors toward our children or anyone else. There is no excuse. I had to do something different. The sad and scary part, doing something different, was a concept and task I knew nothing about. You right. needed to do something different. You, you, you knew you had to do it at that point in time. What did you do differently, and how did you learn not to be afraid of doing things differently after that?
2: As I started learning to care about myself and love myself and realize that that was okay. And I did that with some therapy and some help by far that made a big difference. But at that time when I really didn't know what to do, I pretty much told my children, I remember gathering them together and saying, if I ever yell at you, it's not okay. If your dad does, it's not okay. If we're screaming and yelling at you and calling you names, you leave, you have every right. And if I punish you or try to or your dad does for leaving, you say, Mom gave us permission to go. This is not okay. If there's any abuse, you do not need to have it. You need to go. Go outside, walk, go for a while, you know, take care Mm -hmm. of yourself. That's the most important thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I started. And then later I started actually feeling like I had to stand between
1: my mm-hmm. husband
2: and the children sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would move yeah. my body there. So. Uh,
1: do you think that mm-hmm. your lifestyle produced more, probably, uh, frustrations toward to, to make people more abusive than they normally would be?
2: Oh, yes, definitely. I know that my husband's father was abusive. In fact, he it makes me sad. He And him, he would say, I don't want to be like my dad. And he would be gone and trying to provide for his huge family. Just huge family that kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. had no money for it. And so, of course, yeah. it caused the stress. And then he'd come home and punish the kids. And yeah. my husband didn't want to be that way either. But the stress is just, and the women are overwhelmed. They've yeah. had the kids all this time and trying to deal with no food and no clothing and what they need and the kids. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is very, it creates that,
1: yes. It does. And mm-hmm. I remember my mother, she was physically abusive and, and verbally as well. Um, uh, and I look back at it now. I didn't understand at the time. I look back at it now. And I know it was the lifestyle mm-hmm. that she took her frustrations out on us children. Yes. Definitely. And I believe that's
2: not. a lot of what my mother did. is yeah. her, her anger and her tears and her yeah, you know, tears. resentment and pulling mm-hmm. the hair came from that the, jealousy. The, the mm-hmm. pain
1: that they yeah. suffer is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have another call coming uh, from y- Yvonne in St. George. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. How are you tonight, Doris? Just fine, thank you.
3: I just have a a question for your guest. Okay. Go Uh, ahead. I was just wondering what kind of relationship does she have with God now in her life?
2: I feel closer to God than I've ever felt in my whole life. I am... Like Doris said, it says in the Bible, God is love and love is God. That's where I choose to stay, is completely in, in the realm of love and accept love and give love. That's the most important thing to me right now. My relationship with God, could, I believe, couldn't be any better. It's just, And it's between me and Him and not with somebody in the middle. And I love that. Well, the Bible's
1: so. clear that only Jesus is our mediator yeah. between God and ourselves. Yeah. So there is no in-between. Yvonne, did that answer your question? Yes, it did. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Bye. You ladies have
3: a wonderful evening and God bless you.
1: You too. Thank you, Yvonne. Bye. How did you deal? I know when I was in the group, um, and on the abuses and the restrictions and the anger that was, and the fear that I lived in daily. I blamed God for that because mm-hmm. this was supposed to be God's kingdom this was supposed to be God's will and yet it was nothing but misery. Did right. you go through that? I did. Same I wondered stage?
2: why that I kept thinking why is man made that they might have joy? And yet, all around me, it felt like sorrow. Not that we didn't have good times and laughter and fun, mm-hmm. and not that our parents didn't, but there was so much sorrow yeah. and so much sadness and so much That's of interesting the heartache. That's that you say that, because you know? that
1: was a Joseph Smith saying. It wasn't mm-hmm. a Bible saying. Wow and, wow. and Joseph Smith is also the one who came that up with the joyless joy. polygamy, so ah. <laughs> he, he, he was a phone. <laughs> I anyway. learn more every day. You're right. <laughs> it was that. It came from there. It yeah. came from Joseph yeah. Smith. It didn't yeah. come from God. Odd. that's mm-hmm. that's true okay line three justin salt lake city calling hello justin yes Phil. yes you're on the air justin
0: hi how are you ladies doing this evening
1: we're doing mm-hmm. good you have a question yes
0: my question uh for you yes I, i'd like to know did your children ever come to you um before you had left the polygamy lifestyle did your children ever give you any sort of uh, you know hints or signs that they you know
2: did they ever encourage you to leave earlier than you did? My children all left before I did, and I'm so grateful for that. I called it rebellion, and I was so devastated because I thought I was going to go to hell, that my children were leaving and not doing what God wanted them to do, and, and I wasn't a better example and wasn't a better wife and so forth. So most of them, I have seven children. Five of them left. When I left, when I divorced... My husband and I took the last two with me in a sense that my daughter was 18 and my son was 14 and he went with me but my oh. daughter was kind of on her own so yeah. yeah and yes they they wanted me to think about things <laughs> yeah
0: so definitely well congratulations I'm uh, very very happy that you uh, decided to make the move and that you were able to do it successfully and uh, I wish you the best
1: thank you thank you Justin Okay, we have another call. Uh, Jeff is calling in Salt Lake. Hello, Jeff. Jeff. Hello, Jeff.
3: Oh, this isn't
1: Jeff. Oh, well, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> this is This is okay. I'm I'm up in Ogden. Okay. Well, I got the wrong information, but that's fine. We'd love to talk to you. What is your question?
3: Okay. Um, my question is for either one of you. Um, when you decide when or when a woman decides to leave, like the Mormon church or a polygamous family, are they allowed to take their children with them, or is there issues with that? You know, within the family.
2: Do you want me to answer that?
1: You can go ahead and answer for you. I
2: think that that depends. I'm sure it depends on where you're at, which group you're in, who you're married to what uh, demands or what beliefs you still have. The women The way I grew up is the women were supposed to leave their children with the priesthood head, otherwise their father. In fact, I had a sister-in-law who left my brother and left the children with him because that was still her belief. She thought she was wicked and she left without them. But many women that want to leave will fight for their children when the husbands want them, and it's a battle like there might be in normal cases. Several women leave and leave the children thinking that that's what they should do and many try to leave where the husbands have made threats so there's all kinds of different situations mm-hmm. and that also goes within each group too it and it depends on in more individual i would say of the parents and the father and, and the priesthood. And dep-
1: yeah, it depends uh-huh. on where in the group, the, the uh, echelon of the father, right? Of, of it do- whether yeah. or not uh, he's mm-hmm. part of the important family or not. It has right. a lot to do with it.
2: I know in the FLDS communities that they've actually hidden children from their parents, who from women who've tried to leave with them, and they've taken them, and that a woman might not ever see them, and they've actually banned women who don't behave and keep the children and give them to other people. So. It's it goes from one end of the to the other. other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm
1: Did that answer your question?
3: Yes, it does. I appreciate it greatly, and um, I just want to say that uh, God bless you both, and for what you've done, and for what you're doing, and may your life be blessed for giving all these women there that need this information
1: thank you thanks for thanks. calling and you know thank that's you. why we do what we do that's why you've written your book and why we do the show and why you're on the show is, is so that we can talk to people out there who have a misconception of polygamy thinking that there it's a victimless crime or or people maybe who want to leave and they're afraid to. Um, right. you know, they a lot of them have been told that if they leave, um, they'll regret it that their life will they'll be uh, sad and, and unhappy the rest of their life. And yet that was me. <laughs> uh, that's the way yeah. a lot that's the way they're taught. So they're afraid to leave. Mm-hmm. And yet that the opposite is true. You actually begin to bloom and you actually begin to Oh, I've
2: never been so happy have, uh, in my whole life. Have
1: a life. Get a mm-hmm. life. So that's what we're mm-hmm. here. Um we're we're getting close to uh, to the end of the show, but I want to ask you a question. There were some abusive men on the priesthood council of the polygamy group here from the AUB. And it made you wonder how these men could, uh, it made you wonder about the the authentic, authenticity of it being God's group because these men were so abusive and yet they had been voted on, upheld and sustained by um, by other people on the council. How would God how would God put abusers like that in some kind of a leadership position?
2: Right. That was one of the catalysts for me leaving. There were many, but that was one of the biggest right there. and And I may have even used that one as an excuse because I was already out so much. And that was just like the final straw in yeah. a sense. Uh, we found out that in public that this had been going on. I had felt it had been for years and years and years. And. My soul was directing me in that direction, and it was very good for me, in a sense, to say it's okay for me to leave. This is all. I mean, what how, what is truth if this has happened? They're supposed to be called by God, yeah. and they've allowed this to go on all these years and without didn't knowing. God Why know would God? That they were abusers? Right? Wouldn't they? Wouldn't my uncle Roland and, and my father's prophets been told that these men? Wouldn't they have been given that if they had been prophets of if God? If they had been
1: true prophets of I, God. That was
2: a huge, And that's a good yes, question, yeah. a very good
1: question. Yes. You know, Kristen, we need to, uh, The time is, is running out on us, and so we, we need to uh, wind down. Uh, if you've got um, 10 seconds to say something to polygamous women who maybe are just on the verge of leaving, <laughs> very quick comment to them. Well, I hope
2: so much that you will find out what true joy really is. And open your hearts and listen to your soul and to those voices and to the jealousy and to all the God-given feelings that were there for a reason. Yes. And realize that you can leave. And, oh, my word, it's heaven out here. (laughs) It's nice.
1: Thank it is you, heaven. Kristen, for coming. Thank you. I appreciate your being here so very Thank much. You, you so know, we've much. heard Kristen's story tonight, and we've discovered, like so many others, she was threatened with eternal damnation if she refused to make polygamy her light in her life. She had to face the same frustrations and fear and guilt that we all fear growing up, and she faced almost every day um, in the polygamy group and 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 feeling unworthy for failures when she absolutely had no control over the circumstances. And then ina- many unanswered questions that about God's character because we were all taught that living plural marriage would bring us to god but you know what it won't not one single polygamy group is able to bring us to god in fact the opposite is true they've turned everything upside down god's love has been twisted into the monster called polygamy and that just that that is not uh, showing what god's love is one woman for one man has always been god's Mode for marriage. And and, and it's only Jesus who brings us to God. Polygamy doesn't do that. Polygamy groups don't do that. Only Jesus is able and capable to do it. And grace alone, by faith alone, through Jesus Christ alone, has always been and will always be God's only way to get to heaven. You know, it was Jesus who purchased our rite of passage to eternal life, trying to get there any other way, and that includes the way of polygamy. It only guarantees the wrong path and the wrong destination. We encourage all polygamists, as Kristen mentioned already, come out here. There's joy out here. Run from polygamy. Run into the arms of Jesus. There is a better way, God's way, and only there is where you'll find His true love and His eternal love. Thanks for watching.